y'all. It's that time again. Yes, it is time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys rank their top five portal games, and I join Marty to review some games that have to do with cats, cartoon characters, and cuttings. You might even hear Marty talk about Meat Tripe. Oh, still getting over that. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 203. All my rowdy friends, my name is Marty. And I'm Tony, his rowdy friend. Uh, yes, you are. And rowdy friends, uh, all my rowdy friends. All my rowdy friends coming over tonight. How long, how long was that like the theme song from Monday Night Football? Or is it still the theme song and somebody else just sings it instead of uh, Hank Williams Jr.? I have no idea. I do not know. Um, it's just been on forever. I was just thinking that based on what's been going on, we've recently had PortalCon. I figure that's appropriate because we're going to be talking about PortalCon. So that you're saying they were rowdy? Our friends are, yeah. They're all rowdy. We got another session of D&D in. That was rowdy. That was um, rowdy. Well, except towards the end when you started falling asleep. I got up. I stood up. <laughs> I started exercising. Now I get you there. It was so funny towards the end of the session. Tony was just up walking around and the guys were going, what, what is he doing? I said, that's, that, that's tired Tony right there. That's Tony's passive aggressive way of saying, we need to hurry up and move on. <laughs> let's move this, yeah, let's move this uh, adventure along. Let's quickly slay some dragon or something. I don't know what we're doing out here, but we ain't doing it fast enough. Let's go, people. <laughs> I told him, I said, if you happen to see a switch come up at any time and he's playing that, then it's just over. You just might as well end the session right there and pick up again in two weeks. Well, the problem, well, the switch is I can't hide it as well as I can the iPad because with the switch, <laughs> I have to get on the, uh, get on the readers. You know what I'm saying about that? Yeah. Uh, so, oh. so the, the readers are, um, come out on the switch, but the iPad, the iPad, I'll, I'll admit I can easily see, and it's mostly just, you know, uh, games, dice games, uh, Sagrada, that kind of stuff. So it's easy for me to manage and. I can hide that, you know, on the desk and y'all might be thinking I'm looking down at the book. No, that's true. That's true. So what have you been, have you been playing anything uh, new or cooler on the iPad? Well, I was trying to think, have I bought anything else recently? Um, and I, I haven't, you know, that's kind of disappointing that I haven't gone out there and find something else. I've been participating in Google surveys, so I'm getting a good money. Do you do any of the Google surveys? Uh, no. What do the Google surveys give you? Oh no, I have been doing one that gives me money at GameStop. I just started doing that one again. Uh, that one again that, you know, we do the survey for 30 minutes and we get five cents. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, this is the same sort of thing. survey rewards. That's what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm doing, uh, it's a Google survey from Google play. It's by Google. It's, it's a Google thing and I'm sure they're tracking my whereabouts and know who I am and I'm tagged, but basically, you know, they ask me questions and now that I've turned on location, they're asking me, have you gone to Tom's hardware recently? Because I drove by Tom's hardware. And I'm like, no, I haven't gone to Tom's hardware. That's the surveys I'm doing and I've got money in my play account. So I'm looking for a good app. That's a little too uh, a little too big brother for me. Well, here's the thing is I don't have an Android device, so it would, would do me no good doing anything like that. Your phone's an Android device, so. Yes, yes, it is. But yes, roll and write. Imperial Settlers, roll and write. I'm learning a lot in that game. I'm hoping, like I said at PortalCon, that I am going to be a very good player. I have yet to break 
70 on that. And there are some rankings. I have no idea how you can get as like 120 on some of these. The roles are not kind to me. And I'm like, when I first started playing it, and I don't think you've played it that much recently, but I had completely forgotten how the game worked. Oh, I did too. And that's, I started playing the game and that was the thing that kind of tripped me up is there's not really in-depth tutorial per no. se, Mm-mm. which I don't understand with these games. And that's, and <laughs> I was going to mention that, uh, on our YouTube channel, I've been doing reviews of board games that are on the switch. Yeah. My biggest beef with most of them is it's not a good tutorial. So when I jumped into Imperial Settlers Rolling Right, I mean, there's a little bit of a one, but I was still finding myself, oh, wait a minute, I forgot this rule and had to go look it up because it didn't really mm-hmm. talk to me about it in the tutorial. It never went over like the blueprints and what you're doing with the blueprints mm-hmm. and how, how they're mm-hmm. active. And I forgot, you have to actually build the building and then get the, and, and then you can use the blueprint, but it asks you, you clear out a certain section and says, hey, you're not using the blueprint for the next round. Either way, I'm having a blast with it, relearning the game. I mean, it's these little things that, you know, I can get through them. I mean, I even borrowed it back from you so I could see the physical copy and go through the rule book, even though it's online, and say, okay, how's this compare? So have you played with Donna? Uh, not yet. We're still in puzzle mania around gotcha. here. All right. Uh, I hope to. I'm hoping to get a le- legacy type game on the table. I've put one on the table. We didn't open the box. It's on the table. Which one? Uh, it was Clank Legacy. Yep. I've heard so many good things about that one. I've got, you know, the... um. Oh, I don't know this Jaws of the Beast Lion thing that came out at Target that's in stores now. Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Yeah, that one too. Got that one ready. I'm I'm really wanting to play that with her because that game, just the whole card mechanic, I think she would enjoy. I don't know. Does she like rolling dice? Oh, loves rolling dice. You know that. Well, there's no dice in it. She can get over that. I want to roll. Well, she can just roll the dice on the side. I don't care. Roll the dice on the side. What for what? Just to do it. What do you think I was doing while we were playing D&D? Did you not hear me throwing dice even though we didn't need to throw dice? I bet you throwing your metallic dice, weren't you? Okay, I need to send them back. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Metallic dice games, we're sorry. I haven't heard this. I apologize. I'm okay with mine. Tony, what's the issue? Oh, you heard it because I was whining about it. <laughs> the Dower Grimax, who is known for his slaying capabilities, hit a stairwell. No, no, a, a staircase. <laughs> He swung his mighty broadsword. No, no, I'm sorry, his his great battle axe. That's right, his great battle axe. And just missed the goblin, and he hit the stairs. Mm -hmm. Oh, my heavens. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then my initiative, one. Like, what is this? Well, you know, by the time y'all get done, I can usually go get a good snack. So I was just like, okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm I'm beginning to think that D20's not liking me. Yeah, it's it's kind of vexed. Well, you know, D20's luck changes from day to day. Where mine uh, for Metallic Dice Games was rolling pretty well that night. Because remember, even though Mm -hmm. you you were hitting staircases, anytime I swung or shot at anything, I was taking everybody out. I was rolling incredible that night when it came to combat. Yes, you were. And thank you for doing that. You spat us right along. <laughs> I did. I did. But yeah, so this is the first time you got to play uh, with your metallic dice. Uh, you got, I assume you were using a nice play mat that they sent us. I was. I was using a very nice play mat sitting here next to the computer. I liked how it kept it from banging in the computer. That was well done. Actually, I was trying to use it. <laughs> Donna misplaced the mouse pad. And I was trying to use it as a mouse pad the other day. It doesn't work as a mouse pad. 
the felt doesn't work. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so we are now uh, working with Metallic Dice Games, and they have some incredible dice over there. We mentioned on our last episode, but we have an affiliate uh, link with them, or affiliate code. We really probably should put the affiliate link on our website somewhere, Tony. We'll get that done by, <sighs> I'll get that done by uh, this time this episode goes up. But regardless, you can always go out there to MetallicDiceGames.com, place an order, and in the coupon code, enter RDTN, all lowercase, and you'll get 10% off your order. Yeah, I keep going over there looking at other things, especially the bags. Yes, yeah, so the felt bags. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about, I'm looking at those, for, and they're cheap. The big ones, the six by eight are only six bucks, and the four by six are only four. I'm like, that's really good for like tokens or anything. I mean, a bag to keep your dice in, your tokens in, whatever you want. Just think what it'd be like if you're playing Arkham. Oh, uh, is it not Arkham yeah. or the Eldritch Heart? Not Eldritch, which is one I'm thinking about. Well, Arkham Horror Third Edition and Arkham Horror the card game both use tokens. That's right. That you got to reach your hand in and pull them out. And Mansions of Madness uses it for pulling out monsters. So yeah, most of those do use bags. But I was thinking if you just have those as spare bags for anything, like uh, an- another good example is um, uh, Nourishima Hex, because we're talking about Portal or Monolith Arena. Throw all your tokens in there. That's right. Pull, pull them out of the bag. Any bag building thing. So yeah, super nice uh, bags for storing your dice and stuff. And a lot of accessories, mainly it's dice. And I am going to have to save up money like you, Tony, to get some of those uh, gym dice. Maybe someday. If, if this tw- D20 doesn't work real well, then that's fine. I'll have, I'll have to give me an amethyst or something like that. So, Marty, our last episode, we had Justin Gre- Garyom. I mm-hmm. always want to call him Justin Gray. I don't know. Why do I want to? I do too. I don't know why, but I, I think the same thing, Justin Gray, but it's Gary. Yes. Gary. So when this comes out, it's going to be, let's see, I think 16 days left in the Ascension Tactics, the deck building miniatures game. Yes. I'm a happy boy. 337,000 raised Kickstarters galore. New miniatures. I'm a happy boy. Thank you, everybody, for making my dreams come true. I'm glad it's done so well for him, but I don't see how it couldn't. It's just a solid game. And the fact that he's put it out there on Tabletopia for anybody to play and go check out, it's not like you you can't take a test drive, right? I mean, a lot of companies are starting to do this, but with this game, it's really easy because the rules are so straightforward. You could just jump in a game. They got the Discord channel where you can go in there and talk to Justin. He'll answer your questions. There are people there looking for games to play that'll sit down and teach it with you. So Ascension Tactics just is killing it right now. And good for them. Two of the $7,500 levels were were taken. Yeah. So he mentioned there's like four of those, right? And if you Mm -hmm. take one of them, you get your own, you get a miniature based on your likeness. Yeah. So uh, the enlightened was taken. Somebody is going to be an enlightened figure and somebody is going to be a Mechanica figure. The Mm. void and life bound are still available. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not. uh, Donna said no. Oh, she said right out no, huh? No, no it's not going to happen. Just keep on dreaming. I'm like, okay, fine. I will say that there was a, a different tier than what he had mentioned. It seemed like uh, when we talked to him, he only mentioned two tiers, the base and then like a $300. But there's like a 140 tier, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really good tier. Yeah, it included the play mats and the protective cards. That's right. That's it. The protective cards and the play mat. I think that would be sweet for an extra 40 bucks. And then, of course, uh, the other tier um, is the one that I would, I don't know. mm, That's tempting, the $300 one. It's tempting. That's got all the good stuff. That's got the... um, (laughs) It's got all the good stuff, y'all. 
Yeah, the the core game, the protective sleeves, the tenth anniversary edition of Ascension, yep. the Year Six Collector's Edition, and the Tactics Playmat. Okay, enough about that. I'm starting to drool on this. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to keep thinking about something that's not coming out until 2021. Christmas to me in 2021. Yay! And also that we just launched the same day, AEG launched their game Dead Reckoning. Now, Tony, you and I got to see a preview of that game last year at Gen Con. We got taken to a little secret room. <laughs> Remember? And it's like, y'all just come to this hotel in this room. And we went, it's like, okay, Tony, is this weird or is it just me? It's like, just knock on the door when you get here. And I'm like... I was expecting I was expecting one of those doors where they had the little metal slide at the top mm-hmm. and they slide you're supposed to give the secret password to get in. But what it was, they just set up a room. AEG set up a room to show a lot of the games that were going to be coming out. And they had an early prototype of Dead Reckoning, which is from John D. Clare, which I really like. He's the one that did Edge of, Tark- uh, Edge of Darkness. He did the card crafting mechanic for Mystic Veil and, of course, Space Base, uh, which I love. And this is another game based on the card crafting mechanic, Tony, except it's it's a pirate theme this time. Arg, We're going to shiver me timbers here. I rem- you know what I remember most about that was the dice being rolled out of the boat. Well, it's not a dice. I'm sorry. What was it? I thought it was cubes. dice. Cubes. 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 That's cubes. right. It's cubes. Yeah. So what it is, is you, you have a boat. You get a boat at the very beginning and you're going to be able to customize that boat uh, over the course of the game. And you're going to be sailing along... Uh, the seas and exploring new areas. And as you explore new areas, uh, new uh, islands come up and you get different resources and your boat can carry resources and you can upgrade your ship. But where the card crafting mechanic comes in is with your crew. Because as you take on a crew, you can uh, stack cards on top of each other. They're transparent like Mystic Veil. And like you may get a base crew member and then attach another card to him, which gives him an ability. And then there's a way for him to level up where you flip the card over uh, 90 degrees and the other side has a little bit more stats or a little bit better stats and everything. It's just taking what he's done based with Edge of Darkness where that when you also drop cubes and they, how they landed on the board resolved battle. This one is the same thing. You're dropping cubes down masts and sails of a ship and how it lands is how you resolve battles. Then merging that with the card crafting mechanic for Mystic Veil. And we've heard a lot amazing things about it. And in fact, Tony, I got the prototype here and I will look through it. And for a prototype, it looks amazing. Uh, the art looks good. The, well, the art's done by Ian O'Toole. So right off the oh, bat, you, you know, it's, it's going to be high quality art. So it looks good. The game mechanics look great. The thing is, though, that you and I had not gotten a chance to play because uh, this prototype has been going around to different people. And the person that had it before us did not send it in time. David Waybright from Man vs. Meeple. For us to be able to get it to the table. <laughs> so the Kickstarter started. And then I got the box. And we have not seen each other since then. So we had not got a chance to play it. And by the time we have a chance to play it, the next episode, the Kickstarter will be over. So, uh, so I at least opened it up and was looking through it and it looks great. And I watched some of the other previews like Man vs. Meeple did make a preview for it. So maybe they just enjoyed the game so much that they just held on to it to the last possible second and then shipped it to us. I'm glad you looked at it. Um, how successful has it been? Is it funded? I'm sure it has been. So, Tony, it's uh, $392,000. It's, uh, it's it's tracking up there with kind of like um, Ascension Tactics is. They're both killing it. It came out the exact same day. Oh, look at this. It's Blue Peg, Pink Peg approved. Oh, isn't that special? Yeah. You know what? We could have had it approved. 
We could have had it approved too. If you see that logo right there on the Kickstarter says man versus meeple approved, you know why it's not doesn't have an approved by us? Because we didn't get the prototype in time. I see Geek All-Stars has it approved. They got a chance to play it. Well, now, Dan, in all fairness, if you haven't, if you're on the fence about this, you know, Dan Dan did an interview, right? With who? I think it was John, if I remember. You are right. correct. I just wanted to clarify, you know, who was, who was interviewed, the designer of the game, yes. That's right, the designer of the game. Great interview. So if you have any questions about that, by sure, go. I mean, go take a listen to him. Uh, it could, it might be able to answer your questions better than some of the things we're doing here. Yeah, that's right. And they're, of course, they're blowing away all their stretch goals and everything like that to two extremely successful Kickstarters, two different types of games. Like Ascension Tactics, this doesn't come out till 2021. However, this one is scheduled for May. Ascension Tactics is scheduled for August. So if you want to back both, you got time to play one and then the other since they don't overlap too much. Why did you make me go over to Kickstarter and look some of this stuff up? Because you know what's highlighted for me? What's been saved? Metallic Dice Games, Elixir Dice, 439000 right now. And oh, the, how much? 439000 Oh, is that the ones that have like the liquid or something in the middle of them? Yeah, the D, it's a, I think it's like $22 for the D20 or something like that. And you roll it. It's got the liquid inside, perfectly balanced, handcrafted. The purple looks really cool. I, I sat there for about 15 minutes watching the video. And, you know, a single D6 is $10. I'm thinking just getting two of those. Ooh. Now, by the time yeah. this episode comes out, unfortunately, this one will have closed. I don't, so I'm, I know this is useless. But it was just one of those things. Not to you. See, I'm helping you out there. I'm I'm liking at how successful some of this stuff is. But speaking of successful, Mm -hmm. I think the internet broke on July 3rd. (laughs) Uh, Why so? Because Disney decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to release this real popular Broadway theater production thing out for the general public. And they did. Now, I, w- I went to Charlotte's uh, Theater and saw it. You notice how Tony just starts talking but doesn't tell you the subject? Yeah, well, I went to a Broadway play, and you watched it on Disney+. Plus. Don't mention the name. Let okay. people figure it out. They don't even need We've already. They know what it is. We don't even need to mention the name. What do you think of it? Don't even use the name. Just No, just go I've got there. to. Come on. There are people listening. It's like, what are you talking? They may not have Disney Plus. They may decide I'm just not going to sit there and be on the internet and watch it all day and watch it watch it break. Let's see. What's currently on Broadway right now? Could it be Cats? Could it be Phantom of the Opera? Could it be, I don't know, La Miz or Less Miserables? Fine. If you got to say it, go ahead. I don't think he would need to. I bet you anything we could talk about the whole production without even using the name. But go ahead. Drop it okay. out there. Here's what do you thing. think of it? If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm going to tell you. And if you don't want to hear the name of it, because you assume you know what it is, come back in like five seconds. We're talking about Hamilton the Musical. There. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what did I think of it? All Mm -hmm. right. So Vanessa and I watched this last week and said, let me give you a little backstory, okay? And I know nothing about it. Zilch. Zero. And it's been out since 2015. So it's been out for a very long time. I just know it's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. I know it was a Broadway hit, won tons mm-hmm. of awards, Tonys, Grammys, et cetera. I know this been, they've been touring with a, a company all over the country. That's the one you went and saw in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Tickets were hard to get. They went pretty quick. I've never heard one song. Zero. For okay. the past five years, people have been doing covers and parodies and stuff, and it's like, right over my head. Don't get any of it. So 
Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kind of like some of the things you mentioned on this show that I don't get. Just boom, over your head. Yes, yes. So you know you how. Go. So you know how I feel periodically. Okay, yes, fair. So I sat down basically knowing it was really, really hyped up. And usually when I watch something that's really, really hyped, I never think it meets the hype. That's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm a cynic. Uh, <laughs> like it can't be that good. It was good. It, it, it was good. So, you know, it's the history of Alexander Hamilton, all told in music. But I will say this, Tony, I'm not a big musical fan. Okay. I never have seen, I mentioned those before, I've never seen Cats. Phantom of the Opera, which is extremely popular, I've never sat all the way through. La Miz, I've never watched. And these have been turned into movies and stuff. I've just had the chance. It's just not my type of thing. I don't want to sit there and watch people sing their lines to me for two hours and me try to follow the story. I can understand that. I mean, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. That's all right. right. But with that being said, I really enjoyed it. And I think the thing that I really enjoyed more than anything else was the production value and the fact that this uh, one guy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mm -hmm. wrote and composed this entire thing. You know, I'm I'm a musician, so I was blown away about the all the different styles of music that he did. I thought the orchestra sounded amazing. And I thought, I bet live this would have been amazing. With the, It was a live orchestra for you, right? When you saw it? Yes. Okay. Uh, was it the Charlotte Symphony or did they have an orchestra tour, tour with them? I don't remember. That's been a while. So uh, I'm going to say I don't know. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, I was just blown away by them. I thought the, the orchestra did an amazing job. The arrangements were really cool. The, the story was good. I, I, I enjoyed the story. It's one of those things that anytime I watch a historical movie, and I don't know if you do this either, when it's over, I immediately go and look and see how much of it was true. Oh, yeah. I, I did. Well, I did the same thing when, after we went to the musical in right. Charlotte. And for me, when I went and saw it live, and I also watched it on Disney, but um, just to compare the two, yeah, what blew me away and that I did not capture from the TV as well, and I don't know if you did, was the stage and how it turned. Yeah, the rotating stage. The two rotating stages yep. and how the music and everything just lined up and we're sitting here rotating our hands for all those that can see us. <laughs> two concentric circles basically could rotate, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I hadn't heard anything about that and I'm I was blown away with that alone. So did they not have that in Charlotte? Yeah, they did. But I was sitting there looking at it and I'm like, this is amazing. I'd been oh, to all these plays and gotcha. I had never seen that. And then watching, you know, as they're singing, the right person spins in front of him. Right. The one that blew me away and also blew me away when I watched it on Disney was the rewind where the Scott, Angelica Schuyler does the rewind. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. Oh, wow. That was, that was cool. That was, that's what I'm saying. The whole production and choreography I thought was just top notch. And you, you saw that you said you saw the Disney plus version. Mm-hmm. Yes. The way it was filmed was really well done. They did a good job of capturing a live show on film. And many of the shots were like far away from the stage to give you the feel like you're in the audience. There were some close-ups and stuff, but they constantly seemed like most of the time showed you the view of the whole stage. So it's like you're actually there and can kind of see everything. It's amazing what they did with just basically one set and a few props. Yes. Um, that was cool. Uh, the acting was top notch. Uh, it may have been the same way for you, but in the original cast, the guy who played Jefferson just stole the show. Okay. See, this is where everybody's like, you're, you're full of it. The Jefferson in the original or in the Charlotte versus the original. I liked him better in the Charlotte version. Okay. He was just, just the way he did Jefferson 
just took him over the top. And I can understand why he did it now compared to the original. Mm -hmm. He just had that flamboyance to him. And it was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I really enjoyed his character, but it was funny. So you may have seen this too. When you went and looked up, you know, the differences between the musical and history, they said Thomas Jefferson was the one that was most unlike what he really was. And they said that was the one that the personality and the ideologies were more exaggerated than what he was in real life. And they said Hamilton's ideologies didn't exactly match up to what was said, but a lot of everything else matched up. I did read this one very detailed uh, thing that basically showed how the years didn't line up at all with a lot of different events, but they just moved things a year in here, a year out there. I just kind of make a cohesive story. So it kind of flowed. It didn't really change the meaning of the story, but I think it was interesting. It was interesting to me to go back and read how things really happened. And I learned from it. So mm-hmm. it, it at least inspired me to go read and learn, do some research on historical stuff. There you go. I mean, it's like schoolhouse rock. Yep. I mean, you, you learned something. And when we went on vacation, you know, I went to where his mother died. Uh, I think it was St. Lucia. You know, I was there. We went to the prison. We went to the fort. We traced some of the steps. So that was kind of cool, too. So I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, so I do not have to worry about you and Vanessa buying Broadway series tickets with us. Now, so here's the thing. Vanessa really enjoyed it. Vanessa sit there. I said, I'll watch that again over and over. She said, I'd listen to the soundtrack. She gave it a 10 out of 10. Mm. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. There, here's the reason why, though. The running time on the Disney Plus version was two hours and 40 minutes. I started getting the, you know, at the two hour mark, like us playing the RPG the other night, I was mm. getting up. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready. I've still, I looked at the clock. There's still 40 minutes in this thing. I was getting antsy and it's broken into, you know, two halves. There's an intermission, but the first half I thought was just kind of at a, as an odd rapid pace. You know, it's like, here's Hamilton, here's Revolutionary War, and then here intermission. And then everything kind of slowed down which is where a lot of the exposition and stuff was and a lot of the political stuff. And I'm like, okay, I jeez. Oh, all right. And a couple of times I was sitting on the couch, you know, I was kind of starting to nod and I was like, I got to stay awake. I see what's happening here. So it was just a tad long for me. And again, seeing it live, I'm sure it would have been, didn't, wouldn't have felt long at all. It's just cause I was sitting in a recliner in my living room. Well, when you're in the nice theater in Charlotte, North Carolina, and your knees are up in your chest, it was long. <laughs> Just, I'm just pointing that out because I was, I didn't, I couldn't afford the good seats, Marty. I could not afford the good seats. <laughs> so, so wait a minute, is Knights Theater, is that what used to be Blumenthal? Is that some other place? Uh, maybe it was Blumenthal. I don't know. They've got all the different names now. Was it in the Bank of America building? Yes, it was. So that's Blumenthal. Right. I don't know if it changed the name. It used to be Blumenthal, but anyway. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I enjoyed that. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. And it was one of those things that after it was over, it's like, I totally get why people love this so much. I totally get why people watch this over and over. I totally get why they listen to the soundtrack on repeat. But yeah, I did that on Friday night. And one thing, I, one reason why I was starting to get a little tired is because I wanted to get to bed because I wanted to get up early the next morning to make sure I catch the first session of Portal Con that happened over the weekend. And did you? I did. I saw Ignacy's kickoff uh, session because he, he teased some stuff. He told about some new things that were coming out that we didn't know about. And we covered those and you went over them with me about the new armies and those kinds of announcements. New troglodytes, uh, faction for Nirishima Hex. You got barbarians for Empires of the North that is now 
uh, up on pre-order. Another digital app is coming. It's going to be Nurushima Hex Convoy. 51st State, after a long time, gets a new expansion called Moloch. This is the year of Moloch, which we found out during our quiz yesterday, which we'll talk about in a second that we streamed online. Uh, where this is going to be a deck that's kind of like an AI deck as you played the game 51st Date. Date. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the movie with Adam? 51st date. 51st, 51st dates. Was it really? 51st dates. So that's why I was confused. You 51st states, 51st dates. See? It was it was not a brain fart. It was it was in there somewhere. So yeah, there's this uh, AI deck that comes out, and it's basically you got to deal with these guys, these monsters, these these things, and they're they're affecting everybody on the board. Cooperatively, you can work to get rid of them, and you're supposed to like, well, we're playing against each other, but man, these guys are really screwing us over here. Well, let's work together to get the resources we need to get rid of them, sort of deal. And Ignacy gave one example. It's like uh, uh, one of the Moloks that came out on the board like at the end of every round was eating one of your people or getting making discard one of your people. But he said he had an engine for creating them. So he didn't care that it stayed on the board. So he let them worry about dealing with it. And he just kept on playing his regular game. So it adds a little twist to 51st State, which I think will be fun. I'll admit, I hate that I was unable to watch as much as I wanted. I did watch the charades. Okay. And I was enjoying that. I was enjoying trying to guess the games. Okay, I really wasn't trying to guess the games. I was just simply typing strike as many times as I could. <laughs> what were people saying? Nothing. They were ignoring me, which I expect them to do. I did get one of them. I was the second person, but I, I, well, I typed mysterious. I meant Mysterium. Oh, but I was I was second. I could you know I was like oh that's Mysterium boom, and then um, Ignacy got on me because I didn't guess Steam. I'm like, well, and I see the steam hadn't come up yet. It was just a board and he had put little colors there. And then he had a guy that was an engineer. I didn't realize this with the hat and all. Yeah. I wasn't paying that a lot of attention. I was too busy typing strike, strike, strike. <laughs> so I watched, I jumped into a few of them. I watched some of the charades and I watched some of the playthroughs. I watched the designer, his co-designer now, uh, Joanna, who did a lot on empires of the North. They played a game of Empires of the North against each other that uh, Joanna ended up winning, even though Ignacy tried to stall the game towards the end because the stream was about to be over. So you and I got to uh, do a contest stream uh, later that day where uh, people go in and enter a contest. And there were 36 multiple choice questions that were based on Portal games or the the company of portal and people went out and did that and then you and i quizzed each other on those 36 questions mm-hmm. ignacy had sent you 18 of the questions he had sent me and then we had a little contest to see who could do the best and we thought well, let's add some stakes to this game so each of us basically we broke it into three rounds six questions per round after six questions if you got more right than wrong then you got to eat a moon pie that's right if if you got the same amount, like three to three or less right than wrong, then we had to eat something that we did not care for. Now, before we get to you, Tony, just let me tell you what happened on my side over here. Vanessa got all into this. She says, I said, what can I get, Vanessa? What can I get something that I won't like and something? She said, let me take care of this. And I went, I don't like the way that sounds. So we went out to Walmart and I had to get some stuff. She said, you just go away. I'm going to buy some stuff and check out on my own and double bag it. Don't you look inside the bag. 
for one whole day, there was a bag of stuff sitting there that I was going to have to deal with the next day. So during the stream, she's off to the side. And when we get done with the first batch of questions, I said, well, Vanessa, I, I did not do well enough. I was uh, like, I, it was three to three. It was, it was tight. So I had to eat something bad. She said, well, the first Marty, we have potted meat mm. that we had mm -mm. to open up. She gave me a fork. It smelled like dog food. And the contents were basically, hey, you know all that stuff you like about chicken? This is that, is this, isn't that? This is what's left over, all ground up ground and put up. into this can. So I took a, this nasty bite of thing, and it kind of tastes like spam. Have you ever had spam? No. You've never tried spam? Mm -mm, I've never tried spam. All right. It has kind of a taste of, of spam to it. It was okay, but it was cold and it was kind of gnarly. Okay. You, on the other hand, got to eat a, a bite of moon pie. Yes, I did. Which, which was good. So then we go to the next round. The next round, I did good enough to where I got to eat a nice little moon pie. But you, sir, it's like, uh-oh, you got to try You got to eat something that you don't care for. And I did not know what it was. So why don't you share with the audience what your punishment was? And I use that in quotes for not getting enough questions right. Now, again, it's supposed to be something that's disgusting that everybody will go look at their monitor as they're watching us go, oh, how is he eating that? Go ahead. I, didn't play, I don't play that game. I don't play this eat disgusting, make me throw up game, but I'm sorry. I told you, I warned you. I said, listen, that's not something I take a lot of joy in. It's not like something I'm going to watch people do. Like when, um, what is it, Lincoln Rhett? Yep, Rhett do, and Link. Yep. Yeah, Rhett and Link and whatever, and they do that. I don't even care to watch that, okay? So I think that's where the difference is. I, it was lost on me. But I did, I asked my wife, I said, what is it that I don't like enough that will make me squirm and squeamish and all of that? And she immediately says, cantaloupe. <laughs> I cannot stand the texture and taste and smell of cantaloupe. Y'all hear it this? Y'all, y'all just, y'all just soak. Your this wife up. doesn't like it either. I had, I had potted meat. Go ahead with your disgusting cantaloupe. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It was, it was for me. You may like it. Vanessa doesn't like it. She said it off camera. She doesn't like cantaloupe. Tony cuts into a fresh garden, healthy piece oh, of cantaloupe. Was, my wife says it's one of the best I've ever picked. Hmm. Meanwhile, I'm over there eating leftover chicken process parts. That's your own problem. <laughs> I mean, I did. I walked around Harris Teeter looking for something. I did. And you and I talked about this was the fact I, I stopped in the baby food aisle and I started thinking I should just get a thing of baby food and try that, especially the squeezy stuff. So uh, next time, if we ever do this again, let's do that. Each of us give different jars of baby food. I think that would be a good one. If we ever do this again. If yeah, we ever exactly. do this again. All right. So but let's go into the third round, Tony. Because Vanessa had multiple things in that bag, right? Mm -hmm. So in the third round, once again, I did not get enough questions right. I had to eat something from the nasty bag. You, on the other hand, went 6-0 and oh that round. Softballs, every one of them. Uh, and you got another bite of delicious moon pie, mm -hmm. which actually that was the first moon pie I've had in quite a long time. Let me tell you, that was good. Mm -hmm. So Vanessa pulls out this huge can. And she says, do you know what tripe is? And I said, I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. She says, well, let me read what you what it is. The stomach linings of a cow. She hands me this big old can. 
and I open it and inside, I, it's almost like wrapped in a circular, a spiral pattern. It's a spiral pattern of stomach lining with some sort of goop between each layer of the lining. So I have to stick a fork in this and try to pull it. And this big chunk of rubbery stuff comes out. Again, this is cold, straight from the can. And I have to take a bite of this gnarly, chewy, stringy, snotty-looking piece of meat. It was horrible. Horrible. See, you should have studied harder and you would have known your answers better. You got the easy questions. Well, he gave me all the Robinson ones. And, and now some of them I did have to guess, but you know, hey, it is what it is. So I had to eat potted meat and stomach lining from a cow where Tony had to look out, have a piece of cantaloupe. Ugh, makes me shiver just oh thinking my about gosh. it. Thankfully, Tony, I got the second set of questions right because also in that bag, which I did not have to eat and... I think this would have been the worst of all. And I honestly think I would have thrown up on screen. Raw squid. Well, are you a sushi kind of guy? No, I am not. I do not like fish sort of thing. So this raw squid, I think the smell alone would have gotten me. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, maybe that's it. Next time you go, go sushi and I'll figure out something like baby food. Make you have some sushi. Vanessa contacted her dad, who likes all this really disgusting stuff. He eats the tripe. He eats the potted meat. But he says, what you really need to find is pickled pig's feet. Mm. Thankfully, she could not find pickled, pig feet, pickled pig's feet. Because he, she, he said, it's pretty bad if you've never had it. Because when you chew into it, you don't know if you're going to get bone or fat or crystal. You just got to start gnawing on it. That's, yeah. No sense in that. There's plenty of parts of the pig that you should eat. <laughs> and the feet's not one of them. <laughs> feet's not one of them. And if you want to go see how this went down, you can go over to Portal's YouTube page and go look up. It's it's called Contest. It's like Portal Contest. Uh, go search for that uh, for that day. It was like a 45-minute stream, and you can go watch uh, us make idiot fools of ourselves trying to say Polish names and Polish designer names and pronounce Italian and German games. It was, he threw us under the bus, man. That's okay. He's allowed. He sponsors us. So we'll go ahead and go for it. (laughs) And speaking of that, Tony, you and I had did not get a chance to play games together this past couple of weeks because of all the craziness and the virus and finding time and everything. So, you know, I said, you and I said, little, you know what, since we just did portal con and we talked about all these games, why don't we rank our top five portal games of all time? And that's what we're going to do in our next segment. Head over to portalgamesus.com to be sure to check out some of the stuff that Ignacy was talking about at PortalCon. You can go ahead and get your pre-order in for Detective Season 1. And if you do that now, you get a bonus, Marty. You get a little bonus. Do you know what you get? What do you get? You get a game designer journal. 
That's Ooh, right. Ooh, nice. Also, you can go ahead and check out some of his 51st State. You heard all about Marty and I talk about what's coming out in addition. So if you need to get that on the table, you haven't played that, go over there and get that. You can get some 51st State add-ins like 51st State Cities. You can get promo card sets. You can get a play mat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Love my play mats. I need to get on that, Marty. It's currently on sale over at PortalGamesUS.com. Be sure to check it out. And you can also pre order barbarians which just came out over portal con and that's again for rise of the empire so like tony said portalgamesus.com so as marty just said we are going to talk about some of our favorite portal games and hopefully we'll have similar ones on the list because if not this could go on forever and ever and we don't want to equal the two and a half hour episode from last week marty we need to we need to make sure that we get this thing shortened up (laughs) so when when it came out people in our slack channel were going hold on is this an rdtn episode am i reading this right is this really two and a half hours and we're like we're sorry we're so sorry (laughs) it's like all right fine but you guys are really pushing it here I know we should have saved some of the reviews to help us on this one, but no. Well, don't worry. I've, I've, we've got some. I got some family reviews on this episode, so we're we're cool with some reviews. All right, so let's let's go ahead and jump into these. And as always in RDTM fashion, we are only doing five because that's as high as we can count. That's right, and we don't want to drag on. That's right. That's absolutely right. (laughs) So let's get started, and with those fashionable RDTN sound effects, here we go. Number five. Ooh, got the little Doppler effect going on there. Yeah, we do. Sweet. So my number five, Marty, is Tides of Time. Ooh. Two-player game. That's right. One of, that came out a while ago, didn't it? And now it's out on the, um, of course, iOS. We were, I have been playing the mess out of it mm-hmm. along with Empires. I'm just in a portal kind of mood. Okay? Sure, yeah. Love Tides of Time. Quick game. And speaking of which, being able to play that game did not, uh, I didn't, I didn't have to go through a tutorial, go over any books or anything like that. It was very quick for me to learn back on the iOS. I just enjoy it. The artwork is amazing. Once again, it's a great lunchtime game. It's a great game while you're waiting to play another game, um, that night while you're waiting on others to finish up tides of time. And then uh, now uh, the, the tides of madness. Yes, yeah, which I like. Yeah, which is what you like. But for some odd reason, I'm the purist, uh, the cool Thula thing. Yeah, sure, whatever. But Tides of Time, I like the theme that it's set in. One of my favorites. So my top five of all time Portal games is Imperial Settlers. Tony, this was basically how we got introduced to Ignacy. Uh, it was at uh, BGG Con. He sat down and taught us how to play in Imperial Settlers and laughed at us the whole time and told us what idiots we were. And we got to play that again. We talked about our last episode. We pulled it out, got to play it again. And now this game is going to have new life for me because of Rise of the Empire. Um, I'm really wanting to play, try to play through a campaign of it. Now that I kind of understand how Rise of the Empire works, that the goal is to make it all the way through without your civilization crumbling. And I think that's going to be tough because every time you got to get more victory points every time to keep getting inventions and everything. If you don't, your civilization crumbles and you just stop. So I think it'd be fun to try to work our way through it. So anyway, Imperial Settlers, it was my first introduction to his uh, card building games. Uh, really enjoyed it. Loved the fantasy theme. The art's amazing. And uh, it basically spawns off a game that's also going to be later on the list too that uh, we really enjoy. Yes. And my only knock with that game is the font. 
Well, the icons especially, right? And we picked mm-hmm. on Nasty Frozen. I mean, basically, that's where the whole um, we need glasses and he came out the spyglass thing was being able to read. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that a is that an extra card? Is that a food? Is that a Yeah, people? what is that? <laughs> yeah, is, I can't even. What? What's that does this go with? What is that text on the side? <laughs> We're freaking old men. <laughs> well, which is amazing because when he came out the promo card for us to to give away with uh, uh, Empires of the North, the, the font was oversized, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that just burst everybody's eardrums right there. I appreciate that. You can do that in post-editing, only hurt your eardrums. You go first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so number four on my list, and this was very tough for me because I was torn between these two. Obviously, when 51st State, the Master Collection, came out, I jumped all over that because I love the deck building mechanic, and it comes in at number four. And even when this game first came out, we all kind of thought, man, I think I made 10 towards 51st state more for a, a couple reasons for me. One is instead of there being five rounds like there is Imperial Settlers, it's a race. It's a race to get a certain number of points, and the first one there triggers the end of the game. So there's this constant, constant tension of this race to get to the end, which I think is fun. Also, the thing with Imperial Settlers, when he has a you know a lot of factions out now, and if you sit down and play with somebody and don't really know like maybe how Atlanteans works or Amazons, as he says it works, then as you're playing against them, you're like you're unsure about what it does but with 51st state since everybody's drawing kind of from the same card pool to build their deck and everything like that the only thing that's different is the faction board at the beginning which could give you some bonuses and special features uh, doing that but everything else is pretty much the same so i tend to lean towards 51st state because i felt like it's one of those i could just pull off the shelf and play any time without having to feel like i need to learn all the faction decks okay and my number four for two reasons. One, the history behind it between us and Portal Games and Ignacy, as well as I just like being devastated, losing all hope, abandoning all hope, as it was pointed out in one of the questions this past weekend, Robinson Crusoe adventures on Cursed Island, on the Cursed Island. I mean, just sit right back and let me tell you, friends. <laughs> of a, of a let me, tell. No, let me just sit right back. back. Right, sit right back in. Is it here? Here a tale. Here a tale. Yes, yes, and we even did that for one of the commercials. So, but yep. Robinson, uh, sunny day on the beach. You know, there was that history that you know Ignacy heard. I traded it away because my wife basically said, "I don't ever want to play that again." <laughs> it's so brutal. It was so <laughs> brutal. It makes no sense. Why is it snowing on an island? I don't understand. Well, I'm like, maybe it's an island in the North Sea. I don't know what's going on here. But I think the first time I played this was at a convention called Mace in Charlotte and had a blast with it. Mm -hmm. I liked it because it was so hard. There was so much tension. Every single decision seemed to provide consequences. I liked the dice aspect in it. It didn't feel so robotic. Oh, go do this, go do that, go this. You had too many options at times. You couldn't do everything you want. Robinson for me is one of those games that basically is going to stand up, slap you around a bit and say, you don't know anything. You don't know how to play a game. You don't know how to win this game. Good luck. Keep trying. And if you've mastered the first scenarios, then Ignacy has got you 500 other scenarios somewhere. That's right. 
Yeah, he's got tons of scenarios for that game. And yeah, you're talking about uh, you got rid of it. And, and he actually created a sunny day at the beach card, mm-hmm. uh, which is so awesome when it comes up. And it's like, ah, nothing happens this round. So that that's cool. Yeah, I remember you saying, have you have you seen Ignacy's, uh, was it tweet? Have you seen Ignacy's tweet? I'm like, tweet? What's tweet? What? Huh? What? <laughs> yeah. well, before you knew what Twitter was, correct, many, many years ago. Yeah, so, so that was... Yeah, he had okay. shared the art image of it, and we were really surprised by it. That was really cool of him. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much did we pay for that one? <laughs> Uh, that was me trying to hurry things up <laughs> okay uh, so it just so happens that our number threes match yes and uh this is one of those games it's the newest on the list actually just came out last year and that is empires of the north so good it is so, so good. good and i was so worried that this game was going to be just a tweak on imperial settlers because the name of it's it's not is it empire settlers empire imperial settlers and, uh, empires of the north uh, because it's based in the same universe, but the games play totally different. Even though there's a unique faction that everybody plays, it seems like I can grasp these factions quicker than I can maybe in Imperial Settlers because uh, I can kind of understand what they do real quick. But I love the action mechanics. I love the little wheel in the middle, of the action wheel where you can put out your tokens. And it's also a deck building game. You got the thing where you can go um, exploring and you put your ships out there and you can visit distant islands and get resources. It is just so good. It is so different from Imperial, but I have such a blast every time I play it. Yeah, I, it's worker placement. And you're not sitting there solitaire. You're not playing, you know, your little little empire, your little imperial set settlement. Mm-hmm. You are actually having to interact, and I think that's why it ends up on the three for me over uh, imperials itself. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. I also enjoy the variable player powers, the take that that we do with one another. You know how you can sit there and suddenly, ha ha, you're messed <laughs> up. You know, so all of that comes into play. Really enjoy empire. Empires of the North, and looking forward to the more and more factions, the barbarians. Yeah, barbarians coming out. One thing I really love is it was just a simple thing. You get to keep your resources from round to round. That little change right there between that and Imperials I really like. And with that mechanic, he's added in all these really cool things of when you keep resources, maybe you store them in a warehouse, but you, your warehouse is maybe only a certain size. And if you get more resources than this, you have to lose resources. So it adds a whole bunch of different mechanics. Empires of the North. Love it. Been out for a year. He's still releasing expansions. If you haven't played it yet, please go do it because it's so good. Number two. Ooh, little robotic voice there. Nice. There you go. We we up the up the money we pay for that one. All right. So number two, uh, we actually combine two games together, even though they're different themes. The mechanically, they pretty much play the exact same way, except for theme on one other little mechanic, and that is Nurishima Hex and Monolith Arena. This is a two to four player game uh, that Tony and I learned years ago. And it's a game that is just as a two player asymmetric game, the way the game works of uh, sitting down and placing the tokens on the board and trying to strategically get them placed out to when a combat works and how everything works so smoothly with the combat mechanic of resolving initiatives from the, from the highest to the lowest and dealing damage with the whole goal of, taking out your opponent's base. Every time I play Tony, and we just played recently Monolith Arena on the stream, it's like, I just forget how good it is. Even after years of not playing it, I pick it up again and go, nope, 
It's still fresh. I still love it. And that's one of those games I'm like, why am I? I just figured out what I'm going to spend all my money on on Google Play. Uh-oh. Going to get the Nurse Hex app. Yes, I am. I'm going to get that, play that. I'm I'm with you. There's not a lot I can say about Nurse that you haven't already. It's just the randomness, the the three tiles, the strategy. When do I go to battle? Mm-hmm. You know, I've always enjoyed those type of games from the standpoint that, hey, that's what I want to play if we are going to play two-player. You know, that's going to require some str- those tile strategies. We've always enjoyed the Duke. But if you go, hey, there, there, which one do you want to play? I'm going to go with Nirishima Hex and Monolith. Yeah, and the factions are totally different. They play totally different. So every time you play, you could be a different game. It only takes like 30 minutes to play. Um, you know what would be really cool? You're talking about getting it on uh, Google Play. <clears throat> be cool if there's a Switch version, Nick Nasi. <clears throat> yeah, someday. Someday, hopefully. Switch version of Nirishima Hex on the uh, Switch. <laughs> a, how about that? A Switch version of the Nirishima Hex on the Switch. Over 50 million Switches have been sold, Ignacy. That is a large player base you can make a lot of money on right there, buddy. And it'd be a fun online game to play. Amazing. It'd be a ma- uh, amazing Amazons. No, that's the other one. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And again, still coming out with expansions for it. We know the Golems is coming out on Monolith Arena. And we know that Troglodytes is coming out for Nirishima Hex. So these games are going to be around for a while. And there's a tabletopia version for both of these, so go check them out if you have never played them. Number one. So how much do we pay for that one? That was my wife. I've paid no, nothing. She was kind oh, enough. Wow. She was kind enough to come in here and, and give me number do the number one sound effect based on how poorly I've been doing the other ones. She's like, <laughs> what in the world? Can, can we just use her from now on for all of them? No, we can't use her for all of them. No, well, I'm not going to go back and have her do all the other ones. Put her on retainer and we'll use her again in the future. I uh, will put her on retainer. She'll be back in. Vanessa does the starts. Maybe I can get Donna to do all the, <laughs> the countdowns for us. <laughs> Maybe she could run commercials for us. That'd be sweet. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> all right, number one. So that means that's me. Here we go. Once again, you and I match. It's Hold match. on. Hold on. We have some. On- I have some honorable mentions before we hit number one. Do you want me to call her back in here to do an honorable no, no, mentions? No, no, we're good. Honorable mentions of other games that uh, we real that I really enjoy that were not on my list. Robinson Crusoe, which you've already talked about, fantastic co-op game, but it is brutal. Uh, when it came out a few years ago, Cry Havoc, we really enjoyed Cry Havoc and these three very different factions and the way the battle resolution occurred. It had nice minis, solid game, and it just recently came out a couple years ago, Detective. That's still going strong and everything. It's a very thematic game. Obviously, Dig Deeper just came out from Rob Davio. He just announced a new expansion coming out from Mike Selinker being done. You've got Detective Season 1, also another solid game, and those are my honorable mentions. And you've already mentioned a couple of mine. 51st State, of course. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that one more than Imperials, but I think it's just because of the theme, the dystopian world, the... The Mad Max world it will always appeal to me more than these cutesy little characters. I will say the Imperial Settlers rolling right. I didn't mention this when I talked about it. The, the little graphics of the guys and the villages yeah. in it. That's, oh, those are so cute. I could sit there and watch those all day. Cry Havoc. Love the game. The, uh, the, sim, the asymmetric play style. Yep. I remember sitting down at BGG with you and I think it was Chaz and maybe Rodney and we were playing it and we were really loving it. Yeah, and how and how you assign your uh, people to the battle board, and each one does something different. It's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. And even though you can't play it very well, I would love to get Preda Porter some more love. Yeah. Uh, just straight economics. But there is that one. The reason why it's not on the top five is if you get behind in the first round, you are dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, those are all solid games. So those are our honorable mentions. Tony leading up to number one, which may not be a surprise. And there's an asterisk behind this. These are games we said are from Portal. There is a little bit of asterisk to this, but we don't care. It's our list. And it's our number one. Tony? Stronghold. What, what else could there be? Right? Yep. Stronghold, two-player version. Yep. Two-player. Second edition. Second edition. Uh, that's number one. Just the battle mechanics, the give and take of that game, the strategy, the playing. You think you're going to win, and then suddenly victory is snatched by the other player. The, the AP can get a little long for me at times, but that's okay. I will be happy to play that game anytime. I love it because it's so thematic. You would think that uh, this game has very much of a Euro feel, wouldn't have much theme, or vice versa. You would think a Euro game like this wouldn't have a very thematic feel, but it does. You got the attacker, you got the defender, and I love how the card system works, how you start from left to right and resolve each one at a time. You can change those uh, actions and cards, and they must go in a certain order. It's step-by-step progression. When it comes to battle, Tony, it's deterministic. There's no dice rolling. You know exactly what the result's going to be. Heavy, heavy, deep strategy, but not like just a dice chucking thing. But then you have the whole Euro mechanics of collecting resources and using those resources to build buildings and build units. I guess the only luck thing, Tony, is cubes you draw out of the bag at the beginning mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in order to deploy. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Everything else, you and it's maybe some card draw. But other than that, man... It is so good, and I cannot wait for Stronghold Undead, which does a few tweaks that we really liked. And maybe you'll get to see it in 2021 or 2022. We'll see. We'll see when that It was supposed to be 2020. Well, then this virus thing. You know, I think everything is against us getting that game. So COVID happened just so we wouldn't get Stronghold. I'm thinking, I think Ignacy did it just so that he could win another squirrely. <laughs> Be better late than ever. Yeah. He purposely is doing this to try to win one more year. Yeah. And by the way, the reason why we said an asterisk, because this was, this was published by uh, stronghold games, but it was designed by Ignacy. They worked together. We don't care. We're giving it the portal name. The Kickstarter was run by portal for uh stronghold undead. So That's why it's on there. And Tony, I remember sitting down at BGG for the first time learning how to play this game with Ignacy. Again, Mm -hmm. going, I can't believe I'm with these idiots trying to teach them this game. And I still got the Stronghold 2nd Edition in the box with the cow drawn on there and the signature. It's just ah, so good. I'm telling you, when the chance comes to play Stronghold Undead, go grab a copy. You and your friend are still going to love it. It's a long game, but it is so fun. Should make light of the the virus and all, but sometimes no. you just got to. You just you just got to. I'm sorry, it's, it's dragging on, dragging. On. Kind of <laughs> like Stronghold dra- Undead. <laughs> oh, Boom! He keeps sending them. He keeps. Oh, watch out now. Well, that is our top five portal games that we just enjoy playing. We were kind of curious what your thoughts are. 
be sure to post them over at the BGG. I'll put up some type of poll. What type of poll? I don't know. Maybe a rank rank poll. People need to get over to our BGG guild, number 1589. Not anybody cares what the number is. And go over there and let us know what you think your top portal game is. And make sure that if you have a subscribe, please do so. We haven't got a lot of subscribers recently. And uh, that knows that we know that you're out there listening and everything. And again, we're going to let you rank your top portal games of all time. And I bet Ignacio will be interesting to see how it comes out too. Tony, I haven't had a chance to see you yet, but I've got a couple really nice shirts to give you that we got from Miniature Market. One is their Miniature Market shirt, shirt that says, one more game. I think okay. they have a nice bread, bright red shirt. And they also now sell off-world design t-shirts. And you've got one that you picked out that fits you perfectly, Mr. Grumpy Tony. That's it. I cannot wait to put that one on Wednesday night, D&D night. <laughs> that's that's right. Shoot, you'll be wearing that all the time. It has Grumpy Cat on there. I can, once we get it, we need to post it on Instagram so that everybody mm. can see it. Which you can go join us and follow us at Dyson Names. If you want to. So yeah, Miniature Market does not only have tons of board games and all these games that are coming out that you can pre-order and everything like that. They've got apparel also. And if you've uh, ever been to Gen Con or Origins, you know that Offworld Designs is a very popular booth where they sell tons of t-shirts. And you get all those t-shirts right now at Miniature Market. So go check them out over at MiniatureMarket.com. Renegade Games keeps coming out with just some solid, fun, Euro strategy type games. And the latest one they released is called Succulent by J. Alex Cavern. And Vanessa, once again, my, my vocabulary is not, not, not very good. And the audience <laughs> knows this because when I hear the word succulent, I just always thought it was juicy. So when I heard a game was coming out from Renegade Games called Succulent, I thought for sure it had to do with cooking. <laughs> And so when I saw it was flowers, I was very confused. I thought, I don't understand juicy flowers, but that's kind of what a succulent is, right? <laughs> yes, yes. A succulent is a type of plant. And uh, we, we played this with Brett's girlfriend, who is a succulent lover. I mean, she grows succulents. She loves them. When she looked at the box, she was like, I want to play that game. And even from this game, she like cut clippings from hers and we have them growing on our deck now. So it's just become a thing for us now. But, and I guess a good example of a succulent is like aloe with a thick fleshy skin. Cause I had to look up, like, what does succulent mean? So it's a plant with a thick fleshy skin that can hold a lot of moisture. Mm -hmm. And it was funny as we were playing the game, y'all kept bringing up pictures on your phones of different types <laughs> of succulents because uh, we, everybody has different types of cuttings that they're trying to get over the course of the game in order to complete these project cards, which ultimately give you victory points. And every time y'all make a little cutting of a particular succulent, you'd try to look up and see what that really was on your phone to see which one it was. Well, first of all, I just have to say, and even as we're sitting here right now, I'm staring at the components. This, for me, is one of those games that I just love to look at. Mm -hmm. And so did Rachel. But you talked about your board. Everyone's little greenhouse. Greenhouse. Yeah, yeah thank you. Everyone's greenhouse looks different. Mm -hmm. And you have different types. And some are larger and some are smaller. And it is just beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really is. Games like this and games like Wingspan are very accessible, right? 
typically when you see like Euro games, it's like this very easily could have been some sort of medieval times or middle ages where you're trying to collect certain types of resources to complete something to, co- to complete goals, right? But instead you pick something that's that's different. It has a very different theme, but it looks great on the table. And it's one of those like, well, I know what a succulent is, even though I don't know what a succulent <laughs> is. And the concept is like, all right, so now you're going to go out and you're going to plant some gardens and you're going to grow some succulents. And you're going to get some cuttings from those. And like I said, you have these project cards you're trying to complete. The whole goal is trying to get victory points. But still, just the theme up and everything is just a lot more accessible to people than probably a lot of other different things. That's right. The box is beautiful. I just want to talk about that a minute. The box (laughs) is beautiful. Drawings, they look like paintings of them. I mean, really, I just stare at the greenhouse cards because they are so beautiful. And I would say, I want one like that. I want one like that. But each piece is so detailed, like the little clippings that you'll get look like little leaves. Mm -hmm. The player markers are different pieces of equipment that you would use in a garden. Well, one is like a a spray bottle. One is like a trowel. One is a spade. But each of them means something. Each component means something. And when I would just want to say real quick before we get into the rules, you have spaces on the board where you will put one of your cuttings or one of your plants. Plants. Mm -hmm. And Marty even made the comment, it is made so that it actually clicks down in there. It's like a and double that was just so awesome. It's like a double thick piece of cardboard mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, the bottom part of the the piece will fit right into the hole and then there's a piece of cardboard on top that just makes it look really good. So they won't slide all over the table because you've got these flower beds that you're putting on the table that have holes in them. And whatever cuttings that you you cover up, you're going to take each one of those types of leaves back to your supply. But then you're going to take one of your own plants and put it inside that bed to indicate that's the one that you put down, which, which will be important later on in the game. Last component piece I want to talk about, and then we'll get a little bit more into the play of the game. I call them raindrops. They're, I think they're called droplets. They are just beautiful. They look like gemstones. The smaller ones are like turquoise color, and I like to hold them up to the light and see it shine through. They are just beautiful. And as we're playing the game, we would say, we want a little one. We want a blue one. We want a dark blue one. And the dark blue, just look at it, Mark. That is gorgeous. I wish I could see it. Just get the game for the component pieces. They are gorgeous. Is it blue? Is it dark purple? I don't know, but it is fun to play with. And now we're going to tell you how to play this game. Oh, my gosh. Because you want the little droplets and you want the big droplets and they are gorgeous this is a gorgeous game it's a gorgeous game (laughs) so you have these big garden plot tiles that you're going to (laughs) randomly put on the table face down and you're going to turn two of them face up these garden plots uh, contain different colors of succulents and then each of you will start out with a certain uh, number of flower beds that you're going to place on top of the garden plots like i said when you put down a flower bed whatever color succulents you cover you're going to take a corresponding leaf of that color into your your supply then take one of your plant markers and and put it into that planting then after that the workers that you talked about vanessa that you love the 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 spade and the the Mm -hmm. trial and everything like that at the top of the board you're going to put out six project cards and you're going to take one of your I'm going to just call them workers and one of your markers and put them on one of the cards and at the bottom it tells you what type of 
flower bed you're going to pick up. It could be either a single hole flower bed, mm -hmm. two hole or three hole. Right. And you're going to take that back into your supply. Then at that point, you have the option you could complete a project because at the top of each project card, it has a different combination of colors of cuttings that you need to turn in in order to get this project card. So I may have, you know, one blue, two orange, one red, et cetera. So over the course of the game, you're looking at what projects are out there. And that kind of dictates where you're going to put your garden plot to collect those particular cuttings in mm -hmm. order to complete projects because they give you victory points. Some of them are kind of end goal victory points. Some of them you get immediate benefits. Like as soon as you finish a project, you may get a large droplet, which is important. We'll talk about in a second. <laughs> it's way more valuable than a small droplet. So as you start putting out these plantings, uh, eventually there's these uh, little miniature drops that's kind of around those- The those, beautiful turquoise. Those little boards. <laughs> Once the last one's covered up on a board, you're going to flip over another one of the face down boards and continue. And one thing I like about this game, I like in games where on your turn, someone else may benefit from it. So when you planted your garden and you put your flowers down, if it was adjacent to another person, then that's when they would get one of the little blue droplets. That was important too, because if anybody had ever placed a garden plot beside one of your existing plants, you would get something. So sometimes you would plan to do it beside your own so you get the benefit of it. <laughs> right. And then those little droplets then went on to your player card. And then, I can't remember if you said it, but then you could turn them in to get a certain color. Yeah. So you're going to collect these droplets and put them into your greenhouse. And the greenhouse is sectioned into different uh, sections, each with a different color of succulents. Once you have all the spots covered for that particular succulent, on your turn, you could turn in all the droplets off that in order to pay the cost needed to complete a project with that particular color. But... If you got the large droplets, they stay there forever. They never go away. And some of these coverings, as you put them down, they're going to be worth victory points at the end of the game. So you also want those just to collect additional points at the end. Absolutely. And it was such fun playing this with Brett and Rachel because they were really getting into this and yep. planning. I just have to say, those two tore us up. I wasn't even close. I thought I was doing good. I thought I so was I doing good. Going, well, I'm going to get this one because it's going to trigger in-game scoring. I'm going to get this off of this. And it's like, all right, I got 40 points. Minutes, what did you get? I think I got like 50. Like, we got 70 and 60 points. Like, what? And they were like a few points uh, between each other. And, and I think Rachel got kind of competitive there, too. She was like, don't put it there. Put it there. It was one of those games. It's a lot of fun to feel, feel yep. the different pieces, and it is a lot of fun to play. Yeah, and again, it's it is so simple. It's one of those. It's one of those games you look at. And it's like, what is going on here? But you take one of your flower beds, put it down, collect the things that you covered up. Then you're going to take your worker, put on one of the existing projects to get more flower beds. Then you have the option to try to complete a project. Now, it just so happens we didn't mention this. You can complete any project you want. It doesn't matter that you're where you've placed your marker there, but you get a bonus if you happen to claim the one where you placed your marker. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, it, it, there was a lot of thinking components to this. There's a it's, lot of ways to get additional <laughs> points and additional right. things if you do it correctly. Placement is important. Set collection is important. Right. And then obviously 
some of these are going to be like, well, you know, you got this project card and for every type of this thing that you got at the end of the game, you're going to get X amount of points. So then you're working on trying to get as many of those as you can over the course of the game. So even the projects kind of dictate how you will play. So it's not totally open-ended. And again, it's going to be variable every game because how the garden plots go down onto the table will be different arrangements every time. The different project cards are going to be different every time you play. So it's going to feel Your greenhouse is going to look different. That's right. Because, that's right. You mentioned at the beginning that every greenhouse is going to be different. So the end of the game is triggered when somebody places their last flower or has completed a certain number of projects and that's going to be based on player count. So for example, we're playing four players. So if anybody ever, anybody ever completed six projects, that also triggered the end of the game. Loved it. And it, and it makes me want to go get more succulents. The rule says it plays about 45 to 60 minutes, and that's true. Once you get the flow of the game, it tends to move pretty quick. Plays two to four players for 10 and up. We weren't ready for it to end. We are like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. <laughs> and I said, y'all want to play again? Anyway, no, I want to go to bed. So, oh, that was just a tease. <laughs> but that is succulent, which not necessarily just applies to food. Uh, no. <laughs> it's also a type of plant. From Renegade Games, I know it's uh, one that Vanessa really enjoys. Two green thumbs up. All right, like Mark already said, we have not had a chance to really get together and game. We've done some little twitching. Or <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's just this neural issue that we're oh. dealing with. Yeah. That's we what happens when you get old. <laughs> the Monolith Arena. We, we did that on, on the YouTube Twitch for Portal. That was a blast, mm -hmm. kind of, because I'm sitting here. Did you ever figure out how to shuffle the tiles? No? Okay. No, I That's, never did. Nope. That's fine. But Marty, I actually did get to do a little physical gaming. Uh, the wife was kind enough. She saw me sitting there all sad-eyed, really um, pathetic looking. One night she says, all right, well, why don't you go find us a game? Nothing heavy, nothing hard, nothing that it's going to take you forever to explain to me something that's, oh, I don't know, family friendly. And I know that you got to play a hobby game with your family. And I got to play a hobby game with my wife. Okay. And now one of my favorite things about hobby games, Marty, is on the back of it, they give you like concentration and speed and happiness and they rank everything with little smiley faces, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. So the speed is five smiley faces. I'm like, hey, that means it's fast. This will go great for me. <laughs> but, the, but the game I got to try out was In a Flash Firefighters. And you've heard us talk about in previous episodes how every Don and I love Emergency, mm -hmm. which old TV show. From a matter of fact, now that we've cut the cable, Marty, we actually watched Emergency Over Lunch today. That was <laughs> nice. <laughs> All those shows don't hold up. Oh, my heavens, they do not hold up, unfortunately. But in this game, Marty, you're a firefighter, and you are trying to put out the fire on your board. But unfortunately, when you arrive at the fire, your hose is all tangled up, and you need to straighten it out and be able to run it from the fire hydrant to the fire. And when you do, you get a you you were the first one to do that, then you get a little medal. Well done. And then the <laughs> fire hydrant, the next time you show up at a fire, your fire hydrant's a little bit farther away. Uh oh, so it's like a little catch up mechanic. Look at you. You're so bright. Look at you. <laughs> But the, here, this is the problem that you and I, as we get older, would have, is that in the middle of the board, there is no board, but in the middle of the play area, there's all the fire hose pieces that uh -huh. are just jumbled up. And it's not like concentration where you have to flip them over. You've got to quickly 
Go out there and find the piece that helps to connect your hose from the start of the hydrant all the way to the fire. So it's basically twisting turns and trying to get it to go right and find that piece as quickly as you can. Okay. Okay. So it's a speed game. Which is going to be great for kids. This is one of those games that I, I look at for, um, like, uh, you know, when Rebecca was young, I'd be like, this would have been a fun game. It, you know, worked on those cognitive capabilities, figuring mm-hmm. out how things would actually um, be put together, how one will lead to another one. You know, it's a programming flow. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. But you got to do it with some sort of speed because you're constantly grabbing for little pieces of hose that other people may want. First person to complete three fires over the course is the winner. That's why it's 15 minutes. I mean, not a whole lot of concentration. Uh, oh, and one of the neat things is the way your hose starts is randomized each time. Okay. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so you don't, you don't ever know which way you're going to have to lay your next piece. So fun little game, cute little fire hydrants in it. So I would recommend that definitely to a family just starting out with the gamers. And like you said, that um, if you put out a fire that you have to start a little bit further away. So it's one of those things you haven't got to try to lose to the kids. Mm -hmm. Because if you do well, it's going to be harder for you next round, but easier for them. Right. And you don't always have to start in the start position. You can always push it back. Right. So they've thought of all this. These people are brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. But it does play five ages five to ninety nine. They don't, nice. want to ex- they don't want to exclude us, mm-hmm. but I could see me trying to reach for a piece, and then Donna was trying to reach for a piece and bumping hands and doing all that. So it was that was entertaining for it, but I think with younger kids, it's definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, we got a chance to uh, play a hobby game also on, on our side, and I play with my family, and that was Cloaked Cats, and I'm going to bring Vanessa in here, and we're going to talk about that one. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. While on our family getaway over July 4th weekend, we were able to play a lot of games, and one of them was Cloaked Cats by Haba Games. This was a very fun, light family deduction game. It'll play two to four players, and it says for ages seven and up. Well, we had myself, Marty, our youngest son, who's 17, and his girlfriend, who is 17, and we had a great time playing this game. Yeah, and this is such a simple concept, too, sir. Everybody's dealt a set of cards that will match some of these what was the term you use, Vanessa? These cats, they're going out in costume and everything like we, that. We taught Marty a new word, yes. and it was actually Rachel. That's Brett's girlfriend who said it. She said, oh, it makes perfect sense. These cats are, and we pronounce it bougie. These cats are bougie. It's like, what does that mean? I had to look it up, and it's like, it's in the Urban Dictionary. People pretending to or think they are high class, but they really aren't. So these cats are posing on stage oh, yes. with, with different costumes and accessories. Uh, the the accessories. One of them is a martini glass with a little sardine <laughs> across the top. One of them, of course, is some yarn. One of them is a top hat, which I like because I like a little wink to steampunk. Mm-hmm. And of course, a little mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all have different characteristics. Each cat has a specific pose, a specific color. They either have spots, stripes, or plain. They may have accessories, they may not. And at the very beginning of the game, each person is going to be dealt three cards. And the cards are, they could, it may be, say, an, a certain color or a certain pose or a certain accessory. And those are hidden from everybody else. Then you dealt out these cards with the pictures of the cats on them. And each of them has, each person has a hand of cards. And on your turn, you're going to play a card from your hand. 
Everybody else must then take one of their markers, one of their colored markers, and look at all the traits that are hidden from everybody else, the three traits. If that cat exhibits any of those traits, they put one of their markers on that cat. So let's say, for example, uh, I had stripes and a striped mm -hmm. cat came out. I put my marker on it. Oh, but look, I also have the martini glass in one of the cards. And if this cat ha happens to have a martini glass, I only put one marker, though. But it's just indicate that something on there right. matches, but it could be more than one. That's right. And I just want to say the little markers are really cute because they're masquerade masks. <laughs> and I didn't mention that. For the I, bougie cat. <laughs> everybody has a, a, it's a fan to hold their yes. little cards. Yeah. So that's nice for kids. <laughs> so they can put their little identity cards into those fans, and then they can hold uh, the uh -huh. hand of cards with the actual cats on them. It, just a great fun deduction game. And it was fun watching people's uh, wheels turning, mm -hmm. you know, when we would put down a little marker. And you would always think, oh, we would think we had it pegged. And we would say, whenever you would make a guess, you would make a guess you to the determine to make a guess. Yeah, yeah. of what um, someone's cat, what trait they had. So you'd say, Marty, does your cat have stripes? <laughs> Right. And it might be that Marty said, uh, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't. But then in that case, what happens is you have to give me one of your markers. Right. But let's say my cat did have stripes and went, well, you correctly deduced. I have the stripe card. I put it down in front of me. Now I only have two cards left. I give you one of my markers in return. And these markers that we're trading is basically going to determine who wins at the end of the game. Once all three traits of one player has been revealed, that will trigger the end of the game. You're going to play one more round and then and then you're going to be done. And so at the end of the game, the person with the most markers of different colors, other players' colors, wins the game. Yep. It was, it was a lot of fun. And it really did make your little deduction brain work because once you get five or six cards out there, you start looking for patterns between the cats. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're easy to deduce, but sometimes you'll see, wow, a lot of these cats have the same sort of characteristic that this player put their color on, but it's like all of them have martini glasses, but oh, they're also all green. So is it the martini glass that they have or is oh, it the yeah. green? Yep. Yep. But then you do have a card that tells you how many of each different characteristic trait that there are. Right. Because nobody can have the same characteristic, which, which is good to know too. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, so many cards, the cats had the different poses, so many with the colors and you have that. So that kind of helped too. Mm -hmm. But as we were playing it, we all did say, this is great to develop those skills with your younger children. Mm -hmm. And you were always ask, what's a good game for the younger children? And I say younger, it was great for, what Habba says, great for all ages. That That is really, really true because you and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I, we were playing with 17-year-olds. They really enjoyed it. Yep. But then I think it will be great for the age that is on there, seven. And it just starts getting them thinking in that deductive manner. And that it, it was excellent. I could see my parents and your parents playing this, too. You can easily <laughs> teach it in a couple minutes. And it does make your brain work a little bit. Once... There's then there's there's kind of a race as the cats get down the table. So I got to hurry make a deduction on my turn. Uh, and what stinks is like I know what it is. And like the player before you will <laughs> guess it's like darn it, now I got to come up with another one. And that is the game Cloaked Cats by Connor Reed. We really enjoyed it. And if I'm remembering correctly, Marty, you made a tweet about oh, this boy. game, didn't you? <laughs> Oh boy, I made a tweet and I should get you to spell check my tweets. <laughs> yes, you should. It was late at night. I didn't realize what I tweeted. You, you the made next a big day. boo boo. <laughs> so, this is a deduction game. Nice little family deduction games. In the tweet, De deduction. I said, 
hey, everybody, you know, you're playing this great new hobby game, this family game called Cloaked Cats, which is a great seduction game. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a family seduction game. Send. Yeah, it's like, I, so the next morning, my phone is oh, blowing my up. Going, Hoppa makes that kind of game? <laughs> this is a family game? What kind of games are y'all playing? I was so embarrassed. And it was too late. I couldn't edit. It's like, I, I just got to roll with it at that point. <laughs> so we do apologize for that. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. But we do apologize but for Cats that. Cats is 100% a deduction game, <laughs> not a seduction game, regardless of how bougie those cats are. <laughs> I do like to call it cloak cats, the bougie cats. <laughs> you could put that in parentheses, you know, the bougie cats. <laughs> Five minute initiative is complete. Dooby dooby doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Jinkies, Marty, what are we talking about now? <laughs> We're going to be talking about a brand new game from Avalon Hill called Scooby-Doo Portrayal at Mystery Mansion. But now before we get into this, Vanessa... Were you a Scooby-Doo cartoon fan growing up? Absolutely. Kids nowadays sleep late on Saturday. <laughs> when we were growing up, you got up at 6 o'clock to start watching the cartoons. And I can't remember when Scooby came on, but it was in the early rotation yeah. for me. <laughs> so Scooby came out, I think it was in the, in the late 60s. So by the time we're starting... Oh, that tells how old we are. <laughs> well, no, we, didn't watch them, we didn't watch them when they came out. We started catching them on rerun. They were still playing Saturday mornings later on the years we're watching cartoons so yeah for those who are so young it's like wait a minute cartoons are on all the time i got cartoon network no, no only there was saturday one morning day a week or did you ever have cartoons that came on in the afternoon on certain local tv stations where you come home and you could sit down and watch cartoons i don't think i had that now i was in rural Mississippi, and we only had two TV stations, so uh, I don't remember cartoons in the afternoon. All right, so there were some stations that would play like old shows from the 60s, like Gilligan's Island, stuff like this, but sometimes they would do cartoons like Scooby Doo and stuff, or Batman. That's when I watched Batman too, because it was in syndication and reruns at oh, that yeah. point. But yes, I love Scooby Doo. I do too. I, I love the theme song, Scooby, Scooby Doo, <laughs> where are you? I love the sound effects. And then the sound of their <laughs> feet running, and yeah, they, they, there was nothing, nothing like that. The themes and songs of Scooby Doo is just embedded in my brain. If somebody was to play a particular tune or clip, it's like, yep, that, that's from Scooby Doo. Now, I will say there was been a, there's been a lot of iterations of Scooby Doo the cartoon since then. And I think it was in the mid '70s or so, late '70s, it came out with Scrappy Doo. Was not a fan of Scrappy Doo. I didn't like his attitude. He was cocky. <laughs> he could talk. So why can Scrappy talk but Scooby can't? <laughs> oh, Raggy. That's it. I was like, what role? Raggy? <laughs> Scooby snack. But I mean, here's Scrappy over here having a full conversation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you, Marty. But then uh, Scooby's had a lot of uh, re-releases over the years. I know a few years back, the cartoon came back. I thought, oh, they're bringing this back. And I never watched it, but I heard it was actually really good. That the stories were really good for the latest Scooby-Doo cartoon. And we didn't watch the cartoons, but I did see the movies. We saw the very first movie. I believe that was with Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh -huh. who played uh, Daphne. 
And wasn't uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. who played Fred? It was. Is that where they? I wonder if that's where they met, or if they were already married at the time. I can't remember. I don't know. We could probably look that up, and we didn't do the research. We, we, we didn't. That. We did not do research. Somebody can Google that. Jinkies. <laughs> but those two are married now, so I don't know if that's when they were married or before. You know, married. it doesn't matter about all that. It only matters about the game that we played. <laughs> that's right. We were immersed in Scooby. We became. The characters from Scooby. So this is a game based in the Scooby universe, but it's based on an older game in the early 2000s called Betrayal at House on the Hill. And I know probably a lot of people have played that. This has a a dark kind of horror theme uh, where it's a co-op game, but halfway through the game, uh, there's a traitor that turns on the others and then you're playing against that traitor. And Vanessa, this has the same sort of mechanic, except it's just a stripped down version of the game. It's a little bit easier to play. Each of you start out as playing one of the five characters from Scooby-Doo, either Fred, Daphne, Velma, Scooby, or Shaggy. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be exploring an inside of a house and the outside around the house as you explore, you're going to bring out new tiles. Those tiles are going to have you either draw from one of three decks, an item deck, an event deck, and a clue deck. The item's going to get, well, it's going to do what it says. It's going to give you an item that you can use. The event is going to have you roll some dice based upon a skill that you that you have. Every character has a, a certain value of skill, and you've got a little five-sided player card that you put little trackers on. Each side has a certain stat that you're keeping track of, such as speed, might, brains, etc. And you may be given an event card that says, roll number of dice based on your might or whatever. And you're going to roll and has the dice either have blank one or two pips on them. You add up the number of pips and the card tells you, hey, you get something, something hurts you or, or et cetera like that. And the goal is, is to keep going out and exploring and flying these clue cards that you had mentioned. And every time you find a clue card, you're going to roll dice based on the number of clue cards that have been found. Once five pips or more are revealed, that's when the twist in the game actually happens. That is when the twist happens. But... Once again, I got to go back. Just a minute, Marty. I'm sorry. Uh, this is, I felt like I was in the mystery machine. This is a great themed game. And what's the mystery machine for people who don't know? Oh, that's the van that they travel in. That's there right. are people who don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So anyway, you got me sidetracked from that. Yes, I felt like I was in the mystery machine. We should have had pizza while we were playing this game. (laughs) And I think there is a cookie called Scooby Snacks. I said I was going to go look for it. It is a great themed game. Every card, your character card that you said, everything is just spot on with that. You felt like you were in the Scooby show and we all tried to use our voices to make yep. it sound like the different people. Cause you did say jinkies a lot when you were, yeah, uh, when I play, yeah. uh, and I typically do not like trader games. Right. I want all my people on the same, <laughs> you know, but I, I like co-op games. I don't like head to head, but I do like dice and I do like theme mm-hmm. a lot. And this had both of those. And here we go. So whenever you roll that certain, it was five or more on the... On the clue, whenever a clue card was drawn. That's right. Then the haunt begins, and one of the players then becomes the monster. Right. And we play by the rule, it's like whoever's the one that did the roll that triggered that event becomes the monster. And then the game takes 
a fun, fun twist. Really up at that point. And it is a fun twist. You're just exploring. You're trying to collect yep. as many items as you can because items help you with re-rolls, etc. You're trying to collect Scooby Snacks, which are little tokens that you get that allows you to re-roll dice. Mm -hmm. So that's important. So uh, you're trying to beef up, kind of waiting for the haunt to happen. Mm -hmm. And then when it does, the monster gets a special book. Yep. And the uh, other players get a special book. That monster is no longer whatever player he's playing. Right. Based on the item that you found, the clue item, you'll turn the card over, whichever scenario that you're playing. It could be the witch scenario, the werewolf scenario, et cetera. It'll say, okay, everybody's going to do story, let's say, number 12. So then the rest of the party opens up their book to story number 12. Mm -hmm. The monster opens up his. And we made that person go to another room. <laughs> yeah, so I went to another room while they, they strategized because the goal of the game now changes for y'all. Right, and I'm, for, I'm every, playing for the, everybody. Yeah. yeah, we play a few games of this. I'm playing from the perspective of the one I was the monster. So y'all got brand new actions that you could take on your turn. Right. And you had a goal that you were trying to achieve. Right. Me as the monster also had actions. I was going to have a monster token I was going to be trolling. I was trying to do something, but the cool thing was neither of us knew what that was. Right. That We were trying to figure out, ooh, I bet he's trying to do this, or ooh, I bet he's trying to do that. And it was... That is a really neat component of the game. And also, the text is very, very immersed in Scooby-Doo. Mm -hmm. It is written like from the perspective of the monster from, from the show and from the perspective of the gang, the Scooby gang. And that is really exciting, too. You actually felt like you were playing out a show. You were acting out an actual show. Yeah, and the rules do state that if you're playing with younger kids, and this, this could probably be for eight and up, that they may not be able to grasp what's going on, that you're free to share what the monster's goals are and you're free to share what the group's goals are if it want to make it easier for kids to understand and grasp. But since we're playing, you know, it's like, well, let's let's do it the hard way because I like the part of trying to decide, wait a minute, what is that monster trying to do? He keeps he keeps trying to put these traps out on the floor. Why is he putting traps out on the floor? <laughs> and like I said, there's different there's brand new actions and when you say you're going to take an action, I'm going to take an action and roll these dice. The only other thing that they can ask is like, wait a minute, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm rolling my brains or whatever to see if I succeed at doing this. You don't know what number they're going for. And you might see what the result is that what happens, but you don't know exactly why they're putting that token out on the board or why they're attacking that person or why are they doing this? Or or why we flick the <laughs> uh, the time tracker. Yeah, we, we'll, we call we'll it time tracker. But the components of the game become different. Every scenario. The, yep. The scenario say, okay, in this scenario, you're going to use these tokens and you're going to use these items. And these things that you used, uh, maybe this way in one scenario is going to be used this way in this scenario. Mm -hmm. So it makes every time you play uh, totally different. You have different degrees of difficulty. Even, even though we played on the easy and the monster easily won. Oh, he got us. That then was we, Brett. Then we went to the medium and the group, <laughs> the co-op group easily beat the monster. So. Yeah. And that is one point that um, we made while we were playing it. You have an endless amount of games from one box just by the different scenarios, the different levels of difficulty, the different monsters that come out that is random. I mean, there is a lot in this box. Mm -hmm. And there are 25 haunts or 25 scenarios in the book. Whew. It's one of those things that you, you can play a while before you get to see all of them. Now, of course, you may randomly 
draw the same one uh, again, potentially. Uh, but still, there's a lot of different scenarios. And I love in the book, it tells you, it's like, you know, keep this a secret, even if you're learning the haunt together. So there's even some things that when you share what's going on, you don't share the full narrative until the very end. And even if you're playing the haunt, it even says, don't even read this part till the very end. Then the pacing, depending on whether you win or lose, you know, you read what it says. But I don't think it's any shock that probably a lot of these, Vanessa, are if the Scooby gang wins, they're going to pull the mask off oh, yeah. of somebody. Yeah. And it's and gonna I would have succeeded if it weren't for, for you meddling, meddling kids. kids. <laughs> That's right. But you get to hear the whole backstory and yeah. everything, too. It is, it is so well done. And I've never played Betrayal at House on the Hill. It makes me want to. It makes me want to, too. Now, it, it's, it's a longer game. I think it's a meaner game. Uh, with the whole betrayal and everything <laughs> like that. And I'm I'm just talking just what I've heard because I've never experienced. But now kind of for Halloween, I wouldn't mind trying this. The lead designers were Brian Neff and Noah Conan, but it had additional design, additional design by Rob Davio. Oh, yes. It is going to appeal to a lot of people. Those of us that watched Scooby when we were little, and then now Scooby has a resurgence. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Scooby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually going to play this. We were going to go to Mississippi over July 4th, but we, we changed plans with COVID and everything, and we decided to stay and just go a couple hours away. And we had a great weekend. We had a great family weekend, played a lot of games, and this was one that was an absolute hit. Yeah, and we played with three Three players and it goes up to five players. Mm-hmm. And we played both the minimum three mm-hmm. and the max five. Yep. Always work because the scenario, your objectives is based on the number of players. So they tweak it depending on how many players the art of how many things you need for this particular scenario. They absolutely accomplished what they wanted to within this game. Yeah, and it's not a very expensive game either. The list price for this is only $34.99 and you can actually get it at Miniature Market for $24.99. Whoa! 25 bucks is a, a lot of game in this one box. Jinkies, that's a great <laughs> price. <laughs> so that is Scooby-Doo, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. Are y'all Scooby fans out there that are listening? Come to our BGG Guild 1589. Let us know. I will talk Scooby anytime. <laughs> talk like Scooby? <laughs> Tony, as of right now, this recording... I'm looking at our calendar, and I actually think that you and I are going to have a chance to get together before we record our next episode, so hopefully you and I will be able to, re- to review a game together. That'd be a novel idea. <laughs> and hopefully it's one that, you know, other people will join us. Oh, and actually, uh, come, yeah, well, you know, we got to have, make sure all the protocols are in place. The thing is actually finding a place to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did find that uh, the Carolina Place Mall has a food court where you can sit and eat and uh, you could sit there with your, your friends and try to social distance at a round table and make sure you wear your mask and stuff like that. But uh, we're going to see if we can pull something off and, and try to get a game uh, to the table. And can I go ahead and tease what the game is? Can I? Can I? Well, you, you can. I'm just, you know, one of the things I feel guilty about that for before you tease that. What's that? That I'm taking up a table where other people should be able to come and eat at the mall. Nobody's going to be at that mall eating. Okay. Well, we have to. We have to. We got to come up with something. I mean, there's, there is a Chick-fil-A there. It's still pretty dead around there. I mean, there's not a lot of people. Uh, okay, how about this? We'll go to McAllister's. There's always tables open at McAllister's, and then we'll just keep eating snacks and stuff there. How about that? And you can get your sweet tea. I can get my sweet tea over and over. So what game are we possibly going to play? 
Our goal is to play the brand new game from Plan B Games, which is alma mater. And the reason why we're excited about that is because it's designed by the person who did one of our favorite games, Coimbra. There you go. I'm excited. Can't wait to do it. I am too. Cannot wait. We loved Coimbra. And I cannot wait to see how this game plays. It looks amazing. I have no idea how it plays, but the box looks cool. Mm. And I've already got the song title for that episode. Oh, you do? Well, then save it. Save it. That'll be that'll be episode two zero four, and uh, make sure to write that down somewhere because if you don't, uh, a few weeks from now you're going, Dad, Dad, gummit, what was I going to call this episode? So, yeah, I, I see you write a little note to yourself mm-hmm. right now. Very good, very good. Hey, we mentioned at the top of the episode that uh, there's some people that we're affiliated with. If you, in case you want to get some good deals, don't forget you can go check out metallicdicegames.com and use the promo code RDTN to get ten percent off. You can go to Ewin Chair. E-W-I-N chair.com. Use the code R-D-T-N and get 20% off a chair. And Tony, there's some people that uh, it's in our Slack channel that have gotten their chairs. They've got them in. They've shared pictures and they love them. Tony, I think we need to get you one. I don't know where it'll go. Wherever you're sitting right now. Oh, okay. Well, I could work. My problem is that I think I w- if we were to do the D&D, I'd hit that bad boy in recline mode. <laughs> this bad boy reclines almost all the way horizontal to the floor. I mean, you're parallel to the floor, dude. You could literally sleep in this thing. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see that being a good thing. I could, you know, this at least this chair is a hard upright. Keeps <laughs> yeah. you going. And then easy for me to get out of and stretch and walk around. So I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> but anyway, so several people that listen to the show have checked out the chairs and they've thanked us for them because they really like them. That's ewinchair.com. And also you can go to the BGG shop. There's always tons of stuff out there that you can get and use our uh, code RDTN and get a discount out there too, Tony. So just remember everybody, RDTN. Just stick it in wherever you shop. You never know. It might work somewhere. I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> what? Uh, well, just stick it in wherever you want. <laughs> Sheesh. Dude, okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, in a light socket, you well, could get hurt. We're, we're getting giddy here. What, stick a fork in a light socket? They uh, taught yes. me not to do that when I was really, really and I may young. have given some bad advice on our Slack channel today. I started thinking about it. Oh, what did you say on the Slack channel? Well, they were talking about the chairs and that, you know, and this humidity and all that you can stick. Uh, because the chairs are kind of like have a leather type feel. Some of them are leather. Some of them are genuine leather. Some of them are kind of faux leather. Yes. Yeah, faux. And I said, well, we'll get you a little armor off. And, and apply it to the chair? You can just slide right on out of that thing. <laughs> Shook. <laughs> yes, slip right. Recline and slip right out. Yeah, slide that's a, on Yeah, by. yeah that, that would not be too smart to, to armor all the chair. I would use some other different types of cleaner. Also, in coming up episodes, we got some other designers lined up that we can't wait to get on the show, talk about their games coming up. Um, hopefully, that will all pan out. I won't mention any names here in case something happens. But y'all have said... Uh, y'all, the people who took the survey earlier said, hey, we'd like to hear more designers. And mm-hmm. with the way the situation is right now, it's hard to get games on the table and stuff like that. We said, all right, let's get the more designers in here. So we've had a couple episodes over the past couple months or so with designers. And we got a couple more lined up uh, based on some games that are coming out. We try to coordinate them with maybe a game that they just done. They're coming out with soon or something like that to make it where it makes sense for them to come on the show. Yeah, and if there's any designer you want to hear from, please... Send us a note, mention it on the BGG Guild. We'll be happy to reach out to them. Can't guarantee that they'll come on to this foolishness, but we'll give it a shot, however yeah. that can happen. Exactly. I will say, Marty, we have got to figure out 
uh, our gaming because on July 30th, I get to get on an airplane to go see my daughter to help her move from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So I will be in quarantine for 14 days afterwards. Yeah, so maybe that'd be a good time to have some designers on the show then too. Have mm-hmm. to play some tabletopia, or you know, I was going to actually mention this: is you and I got on uh, Twitch on the Portal Twitch channel and played some uh, games or played a game, Monolith Arena, and we were on their stream earlier. And I have set up a Twitch channel, uh, Roll Dice Take Names. And you have? Me, wait, wait, yes, wait, you have? Does that I mean have. I have to do? Do I have to do something like post a picture on Instagram? What do I have to do? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So anyway, we have a channel on uh, Roll Dice Tech Names on Twitch. And what we're thinking about doing is Tony and I may stream every so often. We thought it'd be a good chance for us to sit down and play a game, but also maybe have some guests on. Just talk about different things. We're talking about having designers or media creators on and stuff like that. So we're thinking about doing this series, kind of pitching around called A Game With, where Tony and I sit down with uh, tabletop simulator or tabletop you play a kind of an easy card game that uh, that as you play you can also just have a conversation and have them on and just talk about different things it could be an aspect about gaming who knows maybe come up with top five lists that we want them to go over something like that but for us to get there to see if that you're interested uh, please go to uh, twitch.tv slash roll dice take names and give us a follow once we hit 50 that triggers to where we can start. It'll start being letting other people know when the when the stream comes on and everything like that. So we'd like to hit fifty before we get started. Tony can put a link in our show notes to go straight to that, so that you can go hit a follow. It uh, costs you nothing to do that if you have an account. Just hit follow. Once we hit the fifty mark, then we'll start trying to plan something where every couple of weeks or something, Tony and I sit down with a special guest and we just have a game and uh, and play with them like we're sitting around the table and like our normal chit chat. Tony. Wow. I you know hey okay sure does that mean I got to get an account on Twitch? No, you do not need an account on Twitch at all to follow us. To follow us, you do. Yes, you do. I'm sorry. Yes, I thought you meant to actually participate on the stream. You do not have to do that, but if you want to follow us, you can. And if you're a member of Amazon Prime, you can give us one of their free subscriptions if you want to, which gives us like a couple dollars a month. What? If you have Amazon Prime, they give you subscriptions that you can use to sub to people's channels, and it gives them like 4 or $5 a month for free. You are speaking knowledge I know nothing of. I am so <laughs> old man right now. This is sad. I don't know what you're talking. I'm happy to be on Amazon Prime finding shows that I have not watched. I mean, we're watching a show right now called Suits. I have never seen, but it is. And people are like, Suits, you finally seeing Suits? My wife looked at me the other day and goes, that's Meghan Markle. I go, what? Yep. It is. I'll be darned. I didn't know that. I thought she was, I never knew she was actually in stuff. <laughs> I, I just, I'm so out of it, man. A, a whole new world's open for you. You've cut the cable and now you've got these streaming services and you can see all these old shows you've never seen. I know. It's oh, it's like I'm rolling dice. <laughs> Taking names. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to have a special episode drop in the off week where we're going to have some friends on to talk about Games Workshop games and then come back for our next regular episode where Tony and I will talk about the new game from Plan B Games, Amamater. 
I don't like kiwi. I don't like honeydew. I'm not a big fan of papaya. I do like some mango. Bananas are okay. Cantaloupe. Is it not cantaloupe? Cantaloupe? Is it cantaloupe or cantaloupe? We can't even pronounce things in English. <laughs> Up right now at thebrokentoken.com is the pre order for the Spirit Island Organizer. This has four removable card trays, split trays for the Dohan, Invader, and Energy tokens, and ready-to-play fear tray. Or, if you could get the crate, which is just, when you get the crate without the organizer, it's just a place to hold everything in there. Or you could get the bundle, Tony. You can get the organizer and the crate together. You have three options for organizing your game, Spirit Island. This is right now available for pre-order at thebrokentoken.com. And the expected release is August 24th. So get your pre-orders in now. 